Welcome to Young Voices, the podcast powered by Global Shapers Helsinki. Young Voices is a platform where young people can share their knowledge and insights to the public. We make stories that the young generation heard. I am Mi Nguyen, one of the Global Shapers in the Helsinki branch. I hope that you enjoyed the episode today. Our guest today is Pukrai, who is committed to create sustainable livelihoods to the Indian artisans. After a decade of work in the education and development sector, Pukrai is now starting her new journey. She is the founder and CEO of Moi Namaste, a Finnish e-commerce business connecting the Nordic world with um, Indian craftsmanship. She is inspired by the Nordic values of transparency and commitment to human rights. Very interesting background, and I'm so excited for our discussion today. Hukrait, welcome to Young Voices. Thank you, me. Very excited to be here, and thank you for you know giving me this platform to share my story. Thank you so much for taking the time for us today, and let's kickstart the conversation with a personal introduction because I'm sure that our listeners are very curious to know more about you. Absolutely. So I am an Indian. I live. I've been in Finland actually since 2015. My educational and professional career background is actually in the education and development sector. So I worked as a teacher, as a teacher trainer, as a curriculum specialist, as a community organizer. So I've played a lot of roles in the development space, but mostly in the specific area of education. However, as you just heard, Moi Namaste has nothing. I mean, it has a little bit of educational angle to it, but it's mostly pertaining to the crafts industry, which is also a part of the development space. Yeah, I am extremely passionate about helping people thrive, helping people reach their potential. And after spending a decade-long journey in the education space, I wanted to also support another community that I've had the opportunity to interact with, which were Indian craftspeople, and I thought there's such a unique um, connection, and there's a possibility for that unique connection between Finland and India. So that's how I got started in this space. Yeah, there's so many interesting elements about your story that we're gonna discuss a little bit later. But before we jump right in, we have a surprise question for you. Of course, you you don't you know the question in advance is gonna be a very interesting question. <laughs> If you were to a deserted island, what book uh, would would you carry with you and why? Okay, that's an interesting question. And I'm very bad at remembering like the author names, so we will look it up. But I think one of the books I've been dying to read is Good to Great, and I think that's one of the books that has been helping me not just in my professional career, but also just personal endeavors that I have. So I think that would make a good read, especially. You know, how do you make my experience at a deserted island from good to great? I don't know. Maybe it has some nuggets that I could take there as well. So <laughs> that's excellent. So good to great by by James Collins. I also yes. really like the book as well. So perfect. perfect. <laughs> yes. Thank God I got. I had a book's name in my back. <laughs> Otherwise, generally quite hard. You you can always say something like a survival book or something like how right. you would survive in in the islands. So very practical. But I love your your answer. Thank you. <laughs> now now let's dive right into the craftsmanship industry because this is super interested that that you are involved in in this. Mm. What was your main motivation for founding Moina Master? You did touch upon a little bit, but maybe if you could you know tell more about the stories behind it. 
Right, right. I think connection with the Indian craft space has been part of my life, nevertheless, because in India, you know, whenever we want to give gifts to our family members or there's a birthday or a wedding, people generally like to give something that's handcrafted, that's made with love, that has a story to tell. Of course, this used to be quite common a decade or so ago when craftsmanship was still celebrated, but with the advent of, you know, fast fashion, factories um, that create mass-produced gifts, um, it's become less common, but there's still a big community in India that celebrates craftsmanship and wants to engage with it. I think when I was thinking about what I want to do from Finland, and I still am very passionate about giving back to the country I come from, which is India, and I wanted to identify a route that would make sense, I started to look at craftsmanship because it's so, as I said, so closely connected to our roots in the way we gift things, in the way we show people we love them and, you know, want to give them something unique. So I wanted to bring that culture to Finland as well. And while I started to research, I realized that there are nearly 7 million artisans in India, which is a huge number. And that makes 40% of the global artisanal workforce. So for those who don't know, India holds second position in the global share of textile and apparel industry as well. So it's not just making like, you know, home decor pieces, but even clothing, garment industry. India is you is one of the biggest players when it comes to making things by hand and be it garments or gifts or, you know, cushion covers and things like that. However, when I started to research more, I found this study which said that even though they make 40% of the global artisanal workforce, their income merely accounts for 2% of the 400 billion US dollars. Um, And the global handicraft industry is only going to get bigger and bigger. I think there is a study which was done quite recently called Creative Manufacturing and Handmade Sector. And in that, it says that the industry is projected to grow by 20% per year, reaching $1 trillion by 2024. Now, that's amazing for the industry because it's growing. People are you know, interested in buying handicraft or interested in buying things that have a story, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the artisans getting their share. You know, they're doing the hard work. They're the ones who are spending hours and hours making products that are sold worldwide without any credit, without any transparency, without any fair pay. And I think that the educator in me, the, you know, the development activist in me, it really triggered me to then say, what can I do? Um, And do it in a way where the focus is on traceability, the focus is on human rights and gender equality. And that's kind of how Moi Namaste started. Very strong motivation. And it's very interesting to to know. and, And I'm sure that the message needs to spread that the industry for craftsmanship is growing, meaning that people have more demand for for all the, you know, handmade gifts. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean that it's going to be sustainable for the artisan who actually made it, especially in in India. And coming from Vietnam, I'm I'm sharing the same story with you. It's it's very sad to see, even though there's more demand, but then um, it doesn't create a sustainable living for the artisan who actually make it. You did touch upon 
some issues in Indian that, that you, you see, for example, the, the gender pay and also the transparency. Could you mm. tell a little bit more, elaborate more about that? What specific issue in this sector that you would like to target with Moi Namaste? Right, right. So I think I've divided it in my head as five different pillars that we are going after. So these are the challenges that we've seen and hence as Moi Namaste, we want to um, you know, push on that and focus on that and be very transparent and make it as our impact goals as well. So one of the thing is definitely definitely lack of transparency and traceability, right? You have seen uh, like social campaigns, fashion revolution, uh, the clean clothes campaign, all of these campaigns are basically asking for traceability from brands. So you have brands like H&M, Zara, a lot of really big stores which don't don't even know where their products are made, right? Like there's no way for you to understand who is the person, who, where, which community is responsible for the product that you're holding in your hand. And I think that is taking away from the dignity of the labors, right? In my opinion, people have spent a lot of their hours, a lot of their effort into creating something for you, but getting no credit, absolutely. And yes, if it was a machine, it doesn't matter. But if it's an actual human being who's sitting, you know, 12 hours, sometimes 18 hours a day checking products, then I think there's a need to give that dignity and there needs to be transparency and traceability from where the products came from, which country, what resources were used in it, who made the products, all of that. So that is something that we at Moin Namaste try to focus on. For each of our products, we give a card which talks about, you know, where the product was made. There's a story of the artisan in it. There's a picture attached so you can see one of the artisans from the community who made the product. And then, of course, on our website, you'll find additional information about that organization that we're working with, an NGO, a craft sector, all of that. The other thing is that you see a lot is human rights violation. So I was reading a report by Walk Free Foundation, and it said... 71% um, of people trapped in modern slavery are women. Um, And most, like the second highest at-risk product category is garments. So all the clothes that we're making, there's a high chance that the women who have made it or who have been part of the production are stuck in modern slavery. Now, to me, that is mind boggling because fashion is such a close thing for all of us. We wear clothes all the time. It's a way of, you know, showing our values, our style, who we want to represent as. But then to know that we could potentially be not just harming the environment, but also be responsible for some sort of human rights violations. I think that's, you know, scary. And so for Moi Namaste, we mostly work with women groups and women artisans because for us, again, a study just deep diving into what India has to offer. There are 2.2 million self-help groups um, and they represent 33 million members who have taken you know, microfinance services to start their own small businesses. And these are the women who are always targeted and exploited. So what we from YNMS, they want to do is to work with women groups who you know, are doing things correctly and have, are actually empowering their makers. They're empowering the artisans. They care for their health. They care for community development. They care for financial education. Things like that is critical because when you, as we all know, when you empower women, the whole 
you know, family gets empowered, the community gets empowered. So that's kind of where the human rights violation as well as gender inequality bucket overlaps. And then, of course, the third thing, fourth thing I would say is sustainable economic growth, which for us means that, you know, we want our artisans to come out of poverty. This 2% of money coming back to the artisans who are making 40% of the global handicrafts to me doesn't make sense. We need to give them fair share. We need to give them better pay. One of the reports said that in India, the decent living wage should be around 11,557 rupees, which is around 160, 170 US dollars. And right now they get anywhere between three to five. So it can, it shows you how many steps we need to take before we're actually giving someone dignified livelihood. And the last piece that's important to us is environmental impact. I decided to not work with, you know, factories and mass produced products. I could have, I could have just said made in India, but I decided to go for handicraft and look at old crafts, traditional crafts that India has, because most of them are handmade. And that means most of them are using resources available close into their, you know, natural environment. So they're using things without electricity. They're making things by hand. So there's less carbon emissions. There's more, just environmental impact is far more positive than negative through handicrafts. So kind of those are the five buckets, five pillars that I'm very passionate about. So to keep improving Moi Namaste's work in those five buckets. And I can repeat it because I spoke for a while. Um, transparency, traceability, human rights, gender equality, sustainable economic, as well as environmental impact. That is powerful and super eye-opening as for me as a, let's say, a user and a buyer. Um, I don't know any of that info, right? And that because that info is not very visible. And especially when you talk about traceability, I remember I, I think I walked into a fast fashion store and pick up a piece of t-shirt and said that it's made in Vietnam. I'm like, really? It's made from my country, but like where? Why would I know nothing about it? How is the working condition? And I know for sure that it's mostly the women who who are behind like you know the machine but how, how are they treated all the information I think it should be transparent meaning that us as a user as a buyer we need to know more about it in a way that we need to be like educated about how our products come from it needs to be sustainable in a way that uh, it's not only the material that is sustainable but the people who are behind it are treated fairly and have Absolutely. a very good life Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is where it's very interesting. It connects with you because you have a connection with the country. You're from Vietnam. I'm from India. If I'm not from Vietnam or if I'm not from India, how do you build a connection to the makers? And I think I'm happy to see that there's a growing trend, but I think it's also the responsibility of brands to just say it. Because if I'm a person from Finland who's never been to India, who's never been to Vietnam, has never connected with a person from those two communities, how do I care, right? I wouldn't know, but then if the brands tell me and educate me, then I'll start caring, which most of the big brands don't do. Most of the fast fashion brands don't do. So it's you see that a lot happening now with small and medium-sized companies, um, but I think it's powerful because then you start asking the same questions from bigger brands as well. Like, why are you not telling me who made my products? 
Mm, that, that is a good transition, right? When, when there's a demand from the user for the big brands that you need to be transparent, you, you need to be more sustainable, then there will be change from, let's say, from the big ones. But do you see that there's also like consumer habits they also change in the past couple of years, meaning that users are care more about sustainability and they demand more of those products. Do you actually see that? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's still a very small niche community that does that, um, I think. But people are getting more educated. People are being more conscious of, you know, the choices they make, the impact they have. I think the climate change movement led by Greta, you know, the fast fashion, fast revolution movement against fast fashion brands, that's also, I think, started in US or the Europe, but it's huge in Europe. And I think Europe generally, in my opinion, is a lot more conscious about, you know, being green, being environmentally conscious. So I definitely see a rise. I don't think it's as big as I imagine it to be because I'm, of course, in a bubble of all friends and brands that, you know, care about people, care about environment. There are enough people who still buy fast fashion brands, but I'm hopeful that slowly people are going to change their habits. And I also say this with a pinch of salt because I have been a person who bought fast fashion because I couldn't afford anything else. And so it's a fine balance, right? Like you want to encourage people, but you also like anything that's made ethically and gives fair pay is not going to be cheap. So it's not in the hands of everybody. I'm hopeful that as our economies grow, as people's purchasing power grows, there will be definitely a you know, rather than buying a lot because you earn a lot more money, people will buy less and buy meaningful products because now they have the money and they can spend it on those meaningful products. So that's my hope, actually. That, that's great. And, and I know for sure that things takes time to change, but when it changes, it's going to be like a domino effect. I can tell for myself, was it two years ago? I, I went uh, vegan for a while. And that, when I started to think about my food, then I started to think about other things as well. Okay, now, now I eat very sustainable. How, how can I make my surrounding even more sustainable? Is it Absolutely. with clothes? Is it with actually the furniture that I'm, you know, I'm buying? Like I, I start to be more thoughtful of the purchases that I'm that I'm you know making yeah so, and it takes that one action right I think you can consciousness uh, is such an integral part of you that if you're conscious in one aspect of, of your life it will translate and I always tell people to forget home decor forget whatever but like start with clothes start with fashion I think sustainable fashion movements are becoming bigger and bigger because we do consume fashion a lot Fashion industry in the world is the second most biggest polluter after oil. So you can imagine how much pollution this garment and apparel industry is making. So I'm like, start there, just buy clothes, go thrift shopping, buy secondhand, you know, elongate the lives of products or buy from brands that, uh, that align with your value system. And it's going to like, it's going to lead to change. So I think that it's, there's, it's happening. It's happening. It's slow, but there will definitely be that domino effect. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like if you want to change, then start with something that is that you need the most, like your food, your yeah, clothes, you wear every day, your clothes. makeup, for example, with ladies, then it's going to be like a domino effect. I, I absolutely agree. Do you think other changes, meaning other trends that is coming in, in the upcoming years about sustainable craftsmanship? 
I think there's definitely a rise in small and medium enterprises. So for example, Moinamast is just starting. We started two, one and a half years back and we're considered a small business, right? So I think there's a growing community of small business owners, boutique owners, women-led social enterprises that's being very mindful of the way business happens. And I think that's definitely a future um, for business. The PPP model by Muhammad Yunus, which is, you know, looking at the intersection of profits, planet impact, as well as like people impact. So your impact on society. And I think more and more businesses are going in that direction. So I'm seeing that trend where people just don't care about profits, but more than that. And also, I think in the craft space, there's so many women in the fair trade enterprise market. It also is improving, you know, the, the focus on women leadership and the celebration of that. So I read somewhere that women in fair trade enterprises are four times more likely to achieve senior management positions than working in conventional businesses. So again, this is your domino effect, right? Like women leading businesses or women in fair trade businesses, which is one way empowering craftspeople is also helping improve gender equality and in a way helping SDG five, which is about gender equality. So I think it's always all connected. It's just, you know, starting somewhere. And with that, hopefully change comes through. That is very inspiring. And, and now I would like to talk more about Moi Namaste. We have been yeah. talking about the craftsmanship in general, and I'm, I'm sure that our listeners are super curious about, about Moi Namaste. You have a huge uh, purpose behind the brand and you're very passionate about it. So with Moi Namaste, how do you define sustainability? Because I'm sure it's not only environmental related, right? And it yeah. should not be only that. Um, how do you define it? And what is your plan to educate your customer about it? You did mention that you try to promote the traceability with the cards. Yes. Is there anything yeah. else that you're doing with, with uh, in Moi Namaste? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I you've got it right. So at Moi Namaste, our mission basically, so we're a shop, right? Like, as you said, it's an e-commerce store. We're selling products, but that's not important. What's important is the mission behind it. So our mission is to provide fair and dignified livelihood opportunities to artisans. And that means mostly women. We do this in partnership with independent female artisans, women benefiting self-help groups. We work with small and medium-sized um, enterprises and NGOs across India. And we co-create products with them. So we're, we're not just telling them, giving them an order and saying, hey, can you make this? That's it. No questions asked. But we really rely on creating relationships in building those transparent bonds between them and all our products are mindfully and ethically made. And we do it in a way that's sustainable also environmentally. And we do this because we want to create not just dignified livelihood opportunities, but also planet and people positive products. That's how we call it. And connect Indian craftsmanship to a global audience, right? So keeping that in mind, for us, sustainability is not just environment impact. It's economic sustainability as well as environmental sustainability. So we're looking, we're looking for evidence that our artisan partners are growing economically. Like they are coming out of poverty. They have more income than they had last year or last month. 
they're being educated on their rights. They are uh, being educated on, you know, skills like financial management. A lot of our artisans don't know how to save. So how do you give those skills to them? Because that is sustainability economically. If they're going to get money and spend it all, they're not going to, they're never coming out of poverty. So that's important to us. And then, of course, environmental sustainability, getting anything made in India and then selling it in Nordic comes with this idea of carbon footprint, how much it, not just how much it takes to bring products to Finland, but also the impact of our production in India, right? Because a lot of times European brands are very quick to, you know, wash their hands off. They're like, oh, the Indian partners should care about the environment impact. We just get it made. And that's where you'll see a lot of products are made in South Asian countries or so-called developing countries because then the European or North American markets can just wash their hands off. So we're also then very conscious of, you know, how we make products, what's the impact, where the natural resources are coming from, can we do it in the most environment sustainable fashion? So I think those are the two ways we define sustainability and we keep educating our customers on it through our newsletters, through our social media, on our each product page, we give you a little description of how it's environmentally, you know, conscious, how it's, what's the sustainability factor for it, what's the human right um, description on it. So we give those little details. And of course, if someone wants to know more, then we're always happy to share. That is super. And I really, really salute you for a very comprehensive definition of sustainability in Moi Namaste. Uh, it should be the whole value chain. It should not be, it should not come only from the material. Right, because yeah. I, I I know a couple of companies they claim to be sustainable, meaning that their products are made, let's say, from sustainable material, but they did, That's but they enough. treated yeah. their employee very unfairly. You know, paying yeah. minimum wage and doesn't even yeah. have a very good recruitment process, for example. Sorry, I just I'm so passionate about this, but like the classic example is say the H and M conscious, you know, collection. You can and not just H and M. There are lots of brands that put conscious or sustainable, they've become buzzwords now, but let's, I think it's the responsibility of the consumer as well to break it down and ask tough questions and be like, but what about the people, you know, or like just really dive deeper and not just be sold because not everybody uses ethical, sustainable, all these fancy words. So yeah, exactly. And in a way that consumers now they need to be basically equipped with more information that sustainability is not only the material it's the whole value chain it's how employee of that company is treated how the workers are treated the whole thing how shipping is done like what is yeah. the carbon footprint for example and I'm super grateful that that you care about it in a very holistic way but I'm yeah. sure that it's, it's super challenging to manage a company with 100%. that big saying we have figured it out right like I we're a small company we buy say 100 product but I can't ship it in a boat so yes shipping is cheaper and environmentally positive if you send it by boat but I'm not allowed to because it's so small that it doesn't make sense so I'm still flying a lot of our products which has a higher carbon footprint but I acknowledge that and I say that I'm going to improve on it and I will work to, towards that. And I think that honesty is also missing often. So, I mean, I'm very much, you know, open book where I'll be like, this is, I'm doing great. I don't know how to do this yet. And I appreciate that from other brands who do it as well. You, you were right in a way that in this 
it, it doesn't need to be perfect in the beginning, for example, but at least you have the vision in mind that this is how it needs to be when, when you have the capability and resources. And I say this to a lot of my friends who still do like fast fashion shopping. I say, imagine, would you ever buy your wedding dress from a fast fashion store? You wouldn't, right? Like you would go to a really nice boutique, you'll buy it and you will love that dress for the rest of your life because it was one, it was meaningful, it has a story and it's expensive. So do the same with your normal clothes, like buy slightly more expensive things. It will force you to care for it. It'll force you to buy less. It'll force you to, you know, really cherish that fabric that you've invested in. And I think when you go buy fast fashion, you don't cherish it. You go, you get to that high of shopping seven garments for 70 euros and you come back and you just throw it in your cupboard. So what's the point? So now there's a very tricky question. But, but I'm sure that you have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to start Moi Namaste today, what would you do differently? Right. I mean, so as I said in the beginning, I'm an educator, right? Like I identify as an educator, as a teacher. I am not a business person who sells products. Like it's very hard for me to convince people to buy my products. I want to tell you where the products are made. I want to educate you about sustainability and human rights and just the stories behind the crafts that we are using to make a product. So I think I wouldn't necessarily say it. I would do this differently if I started Moi Namaste again, but I would definitely get more clarity on, you know, the business plan and the products and the partners, a lot of the business pieces, which I am now figuring out as I run Moi Namaste. Um, it started as a passion project. I was running it while I had a full-time job for a whole year. And then, you know, the passion just called me so much that I decided to quit my job. I was a head of community in a big education nonprofit. And I decided to quit and start this small business because it just meant so much to me. So yeah, now that I look back, I'm like, maybe a little bit, you know, thought process and clarity in the products and the partners and the business plan would have been uh, great. But I honestly, I think we're at a great place. I've really enjoyed the journey so far. And it's just been one and a half years. So I see it making a lot of good impact as we continue to grow. I, I really relate to you in the way that, of course, uh, we always want to be comprehensive, meaning thoughtful before we start a plan. But sometimes it's not a good thing. If you think too much, you actually not start it. You know, That's true. sometimes you just do it <laughs> and then figure it out along the way. Absolutely. I think that's been the other learning that I think if I would have thought too much, I would not have started. Because, you know, there are so many things which I'm like, oh, my God, this is also part of business. Uh, I didn't even think of that. So now I'm here and I have to do it and I have to make it work. But if I hadn't, and if I would have thought of everything beforehand, I would have maybe been like, hmm, maybe <laughs> I should really, you know, just buy from better brands and not start my own. But here we are. I'm happy to bring a piece of India to Finland because you don't necessarily find India here a lot. It just makes me feel good as well. <laughs> But uh, yes, that's great because I know starting a company is already difficult, but starting a sustainable company with a thoughtful vision like yours is even more, I think like 10 times and 100 times more difficult. And then, oh, you know, you, you quit your full-time job to pursue this, um, you know. So what is like the most memorable milestone of Moi Namaste? 
I mean, honestly, it's been in this last week because I thought about it and there's so many things like the first person who bought the products, the first, you know, a lot of first things. But I'm really proud of what we've been able to achieve in the last three to five days. For those who are listening to the podcast and don't know when it was recorded, um, currently India is going through a really hard time because of the COVID pandemic. We have around 300,000 new cases every single day. The thousands of people who are dying, the um, medical facilities, the hospitals have reached their final breaking point. People, we've run out of oxygen in a lot of the hospitals. It's a really hard time. And because of that, of course, all our artisans are at home. No one's working. They don't necessarily have income to continue or savings actually to continue given that the pandemic has been going on for now over a year. So it's been really hard for them financially. So just three days back, we started to raise funds for Moe Namaste. And I personally have raised 2,000 euros over just a weekend, which I'm very proud of. And not because I did it, but because people believe in Moe Namaste and the vision. And, you know, the transparency is where it comes down to, right? People know that the money will go to the right people. They know the money will be traced back to the right groups and women groups and NGOs. So I think that was really powerful for me. And then because I was doing this fundraising round, I also had other organizations donate an additional 1,400 euros. And now we're nine different brands across Europe, across Finland, you know, Luxembourg, Switzerland, who are coming together for a big raffle to, again, highlight the pandemic, but also encourage people to donate. So this power of community and finding like-minded people who trust Moi Namaste, who really believe in the vision. I think that's been a big highlight for me in just this last week. And I wanted to share that. I think it's beautiful in a way because you did not share the story of Moi Namaste, but, but in a way you share how you help the other right? and how Moi Namaste help India in, in this very hard time. So I think for me, it's just beautiful to listen. And for all the listeners, um, we're going to produce this episode as soon as possible. So in a way that that you also get the message and you can also support Moi Namaste in India go through this very hard time. I know it's, it's a challenging time with, with the COVID and also with what is happening with India. Um, but what are the future plans for Moi Namaste? I think for me, the core mission is what's the future plan, right? How do we provide more and more dignified livelihood opportunities to our artisans? I don't need people to just buy for Moi Namaste and for us to grow as a brand, but can we provide um, more employment, basically? And this is why I'm very open to, you know, other brands reaching out to me and commissioning us to get some of their products made through our artisans or having companies reach out and say, hey, we would like to get our Christmas gifts from you. You know, just all sorts of collaboration because at the end of the day, it gives more employment and sustainable livelihood to our artisans. Moinamas, they're still so small that we can't give them sustainable livelihood unless people are buying our products every day, hundreds of euros, which is not happening right now. So I wouldn't even ask that from people. I would ask, partner with us in whichever capacity. You have an event, get some gifts. You have Christmas coming, get some products from us. Um, you run a shop, sell our products on your shop. Just come collaborate with us because that will 
provide you know more opportunities and more sustainable livelihood opportunities to the people we work with so of course if you want to shop or you want to just cruise through our uh, website and see what we have to offer our values our partners information on all that you can come to www.moynamaste.com you can also follow us on instagram or facebook at moy.namaste um, and if you are interested in just reaching out to me, then of course, drop us, a, you know, a DM on Instagram. I'm always on it because that's kind of our main channel to stay in touch with our customers. Um, and we'll be happy to, you know, do something together that benefits artisans in India. Once again, thank you for your time. This has been a very, very inspiring stories. And thank you I so don't know, much but for having me. Yes, and then after this episode, I'm much more hopeful for, you know, for the future in a way because of you, like uh, women and also entrepreneurs who are very committed and very passionate to make the world, you know, better and more we sustainable for everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on this podcast and share, you know, the work I've been doing. We're just starting off. So um, all support and all recognition, just, you know, being on this podcast reiterates that I'm on the right path even when there are days when I feel like I don't know what I'm doing so it means a lot so thank you again